This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Presented by Pastano. On today's show, Brian sits down with Rick Buecher, a renowned NBA expert and senior writer for the Bleacher Report. But it opens up the door for the Warriors to get through the next round and for Steph Curry to get back. And I'm still of the mind that if Steph Curry comes back and he's anything close to being Steph Curry, that this is still the Warriors championship to lose. Then Brian has a conversation with the vice president of marketing for Signal Labs, Tim Hayden. Now with Sports Business Radio. Here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports on a global scale. Thanks to our friends at Pastano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow Pastano online at Pastano.com or on Twitter at Pastano. Got a great show lined up for you this week. Rick Buecher, NBA insider and my partner on the upcoming Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune on May 17th in New York City. A busy week in the NBA. Two huge injuries. Steph Curry of the Warriors... CP3, Chris Paul of the LA Clippers. How does that change the dynamic of the NBA playoffs? The Lakers have a head coach opening. What might that look like? We'll talk some NBA and some sports PR summit with Rick Buecher on the show this week. Also, Tim Hayden, vice president of marketing at Zignal Labs. Zignal provides feedback to companies about the conversations taking place in the media, on social media, on TV. A really valuable tool. You'll find that conversation interesting. And Zignal is going to be a partner of ours at our events in New York City and in San Francisco with the Sports PR Summit. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And like you just mentioned, the NBA playoffs, a whole new look. It's a new landscape now. <laughs> well, so we're based here in Portland. And, you know, it, it was a surprise to many that the Blazers even got into the playoffs. Yeah. And now the series, as we record this, is tied 2-2. Two to two. And, you know, Chris Paul's out, Blake Griffin is hurt, and the fortunes can change instantaneously. It reminds me when I was growing up, the L.A. Lakers and the Detroit Pistons met in the finals. Magic Johnson goes down. He's out for the series. The Lakers got swept. They hadn't lost a game in the playoffs up to that point, but when you lose your superstar player, it changes everything. Well, it's a whole new it's a whole new team. I mean, you got to find a new leader, you got to find a new score, you got to find uh, you know, it just changes your whole landscape how you sub, how you put in players, the coaching changes. It doesn't take much when your superstar goes down to change the game up. Well, and especially when your superstar is the maestro of the offense yeah. like Steph Curry or CP3, they have the ball in their hands all the time. They dictate what happens. So when you don't have that guy bringing it up the court or the dictator of what's happening, you know, I saw an interesting stat with the Clippers. They have the second most efficient offense in the league with Chris Paul playing point. They have the worst offense efficiency in the league when he's out of the game. So now that he's out, you would have to say advantage Blazers going forward, but you know, Clippers are still going to put up a fight. The Warriors are still a very good team, even without Steph Curry. And if he's back in three weeks, that could be in time for the Western Conference Finals. But you know what it does, Griggs? It makes it, I think, going into the NBA playoffs, everyone is like, all right, Golden State won 73 games. They're a historic team. This is just a march to a championship for them, and we're all just bystanders. Now, with... Steph Curry out and CP3 out, it really opens it up. If you're Kevin Durant, if you're LeBron James, if you're Kawhi Leonard, you're licking your chops right now. You're going, wow, those big players are out. This opens a, an opportunity for me. Plus, look at the East. I mean, we got a bunch of series as we're recording this 2-2. I mean, you right. got it's anybody's game in the East right now. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, Cleveland obviously is the front runner, but still, you got a bunch of series that are knotted up, and it's uh, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And, and speaking of exciting. 
the NHL playoffs have also been really, really good. I watched oh, yeah. Game 7 of the Blackhawks and, and St. Louis Blues series, and I'll tell you, there's nothing like a Game 7 in hockey. I don't care if it's the first round. Those games always seem to be close. Sometimes we see Game 7s in the NBA, and they are, turn out to be blowouts. In Stanley Cup playoffs, I don't know what it is, but they are always down to the final minutes, and they don't disappoint. So I've enjoyed Stanley Cup playoffs as well. I agree. I love hockey, and the fan bases for these hockey franchises are awesome. I mean, I just love how a hockey fan knows the game. I mean, they know what's going on on the ice. They know their players. They know how the team runs, and it's fun to watch the fans get involved. And like you said, Game 7s are usually epic, and half of them go into overtime, too. It's crazy. And then the last thing of the week, big news, you know, this is always a huge story every year, the NFL draft. So we've seen the top two picks were traded for. So the LA Rams gave up a boatload of picks to move into the number one position where they're probably going to draft Jared Goff, according to many reports, the quarterback from Cal. And then Carson Wentz looks like he's going to be headed to the Philadelphia Eagles, who traded into the number two position. So, you know, rarely do we see the top two picks in a draft traded. And you know, it just puts more pressure on these quarterbacks who are going to step into those positions. But it's in Chicago again, second year in a row. It's been in Chicago instead of New York and always gets a huge rating on TV. So that will be interesting to see how the NFL draft plays out as well. All right, coming up next, Tim Hayden, the vice president of marketing for Zignal Labs. He's going to join us. And after that, we'll talk some NBA and some sports PR summit with Rick Buecher. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Powered by Postano. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every cursive letter. Tell me why. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pastano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Tim Hayden. He is the Vice President of Marketing for Zignal Labs. You can find him on Twitter at the Tim Hayden. You can find Zignal Labs on Twitter at Zignal Labs. And you can find them online at ZignalLabs.com. Tim, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. Thanks so much. It's uh, great to be here with you and a part of Sports PR Summit. Yeah, we are very excited to have you as a part of Sports PR Summit next month, May 17th at the Players' Tribune. You guys are going to be uh, in our VIP green room, and we're going to have some monitors in there. Before we get started, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about Zignal Labs and what you guys do? Sure. At, at Zignal Labs, we're, we're about helping organizations. Uh, in, in many cases, it's somebody that's involved in sports or marketing around special events and, and entertainment sometimes. You know, making decisions based on what's happening with an audience or what's happening in the media. So we 
we bring in uh, the full media spectrum, what's happening in television, what's happening in print media, uh, digital news, uh, across the social spectrum. And within split seconds, we analyze that and visualize it for people to be able to report it. And, and again, as I said before, make decisions on, on what's happening in the world. And this isn't, this isn't just social media, because let's be honest, so much of what forms public perception starts in traditional media or from traditional media entities. So um, we're, we're about capturing that, that full spectrum of what is possible to be reported in the public or, or consumed by the public and helping people get a handle of it. Yeah, I think it's a really important tool. A lot of people just go out with their communications plan and they aren't listening to what people are saying or what the the vibe on the street is. And you know, when I heard about your company, I was like, "Wow, this is this is a great tool for people who are in PR or politics or sports, people who want to know what the conversation is and across all platforms." So, I think it's great. How did you guys start the company? Well, the company was started in 2011 as as actually a political uh, solution. It, it uh, at, at the time, many political campaigns were using a combination of uh, maybe a tool like Radiant 6 way back in the day, but uh, Google Alerts, or even worse, to be able to be notified when something was said about a candidate or a campaign or a certain issue they were following. And uh, our, our founders, Josh Ginsburg and Adam Bowe, really saw the need to put together something that pulled in a broader set of insights and to do so in a matter of seconds because you just can't wait until the next day. There, it's no longer a 24-hour news cycle. It's actually no more like 24 seconds or even shorter right. before something can get out of control or something you want to leverage. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about uh, when I was growing up, we waited for the newspaper to land in the driveway to see what people were saying in the media. And you're so right. You know, it's 24 seconds now, like the shot clock in the NBA, when you need instant feedback on what's being said out there. I mean, you know, you look at Deflategate this week, and I'm sure if you guys plugged in Deflategate, you would have found so many conversations around that. And if you're the NFL or you're on the Patriots or Tom Brady's team and you want instantaneous feedback about what's being said about you or your brands, this is a great tool to have. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's, it's what people are saying about your brand. It's what people are saying about your competition or what your competition is saying about you. It's, it is, it's getting a, a, a read on the pulse of again, public perception, the trends, the stories that are shaping public perception. And, and let's go back to that newspaper on the driveway or on the front porch. Uh, today's media set, today's journalists are much more savvy than they were years ago. Not to say that they ever weren't savvy, but so much of what really shapes the discourse or the conversations between fans or customers or whoever it is you're trying to listen to. So much of what's shaping their perception or opinion is actually going to start sometimes and many times from something that happens on television or from that newspaper that was put in your mailbox or on your front porch. So having a read on all of those things, I think, uh, is, is, is not just an advantage, but it's a, it's a responsibility for people in communications, marketing, uh, customer service. I mean, the, the gamut is wide whenever you think about the people who can leverage insights such as this. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We're joined by Tim Hayden. He is the vice president of marketing for Zignal Labs. Find them online at zignallabs.com. So we've got Periscope. 
that is partners with Twitter. We've got Facebook Live now. How are the threats and opportunities brought about by live streaming tracked by you guys? What has that done to your, your business? You know, we just uh, we just recently, and I say recently, just as of yesterday, wrapped up a, an analysis of Coachella down in Coachella Valley in Indio, California. And we, we did that over both weekends. We did the same thing last year. And one of the things we did last year was we picked up on the usage of Periscope and at the time a similar platform called Meerkat, which can no longer uh, broadcast on Twitter the way Periscope does. And what, what we saw is year over year, there were literally less than 100 more Periscope streams in 2016 than there were in 2015. I offer that to say that uh, in, in the live event, you know, the action that's on the field or on the stage or in the middle of a trade show convention floor, uh, people still have a very human and innate uh, natural thing that happens where they, they stay focused on what's right before them instead of putting a, dev- a device between them and the action. I think, that's, I think that will remain true for some time, but I, I think the, the big opportunity is to make sure that if you, if you have sponsors, if you have uh, a certain planned outcome for what that performance is all about, uh, that you're held to a higher level of accountability now because you know it's not just television cameras you know it's not just still photography that is going to define what happens in that moment so i i think that that is we could probably have a whole other podcast on that right there brian i mean it's there, there's just too much that's, that that could go right and there's probably just as much that could go wrong in those situations where there is a a auxiliary video broadcast of what's happening in real life. Yeah, and it still feels like the Wild West, doesn't it? Like people are still trying to wrap their brains around Snapchat and Facebook Live and Periscope. And, you know, we see some people use it really well and take us behind the scenes and show us things that we couldn't see otherwise. And we see other people. I do media training with athletes and I tell them, like, you know, it used to be if you did something stupid, it might wind up on YouTube later in the day. Now someone can broadcast you live on Periscope or Facebook Live doing something stupid in real time. So, you know, that has changed the game as well. It certainly has. I mean, we live in a time where two people in a coffee shop can develop a mobile app that can create that type of reality you just described. And uh, I, I think on, on one hand, most of us are waiting to see what's possible versus what's plausible. You know, what are we really as, as, a, as an audience of consumers and, and fans and customers, what are we really going to use to communicate? What are we going to use to to communicate that message. Uh, but I think what you just hit on is it doesn't have to be a, a, a large critical audience anymore. It can be one person who is armed with basically a television production studio in their pocket now who can go and disrupt anything. They can go and they can capture the good and the bad of anything happening before them. And, you know, unfortunately, many times they can create those situations, and it's, it's important to keep your finger on what's happening out there uh, to understand what's real and what's not. So Zignal Labs counts among some of its clients, the Sacramento Kings, IBM, PepsiCo, and Airbnb. 
I think that the airlines do one of the best jobs of listening to customers in real time. Hey, I lost my luggage or my flight was late. How do I get a new connecting flight? How are you helping your customers listen to those conversations instead of just posting on social media, posting through the media, but not listening to what's incoming? Well, I th- I think, you know, there's there's a myriad ways that that we have customers leveraging these insights. And many times they're in that situation you just described where it could be customer service. And, you know, airlines are unique because they have thousands of flights every day with tens of thousands of passengers, hundreds of thousands of passengers. There's any number of things that can go wrong or right in that situation. Uh, you know, we're we're not really in the engagement business. We're more in the analytics and insights business. So we see customers who are going and influencing product development, uh, not entirely releasing, replacing focus groups, but getting into understanding how they may bring new designs, new messages, and ultimately new products to market by being able to keep a, a finger or a view on trends that are shaping up around the world, not just here in the United States. So, I think there are, uh, you know, there there are certainly, uh, you know, we 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 see this in the sports world. Uh, you have so many people that are sitting in the seats that are not the folks who actually bought the tickets, but they're being very vocal on social media or they're being vocal from the parking lot. And uh, you know, there's this unique opportunity to start to reconcile what you're seeing from audience reports in in public media versus what you had from the box office, which is that direct connection with the payment that helped you understand who they were, season ticket holder or otherwise, uh, I think there are ways to start to frame who your audience is and what their needs and wants are to do exactly what I think we're all trying to do is get them to buy another hot dog or a new car or at least another game ticket. Zignalabs.com, you can go there and you can see pictures, images of the Zignal Labs Command Center. I think it looks awesome, but explain to our listeners what's the Command Center. How do you guys utilize that and what kind of data do you provide for the people who uh, get that from you? Sure, Brian. I mean, the, our, our core product here is Zignal Enterprise, which people can manage through the browser. Uh, users are able to set up custom dashboards to see what they want to see, whether that's a geo-analysis of where conversations are originating, uh, where there's negative or positive conversations happening about them or whatever issue it is they're following. Uh, There are ways they can sit there and filter influence to see who's actually shaping the conversation or has the most popular stories being shared about that particular issue or brand. The Signal Command Center is a large display, usually on a 40 to 60-inch screen, usually as many as 10 to 16 of these screens that are up on a wall or in a room, and they allow more than just one person as they would be through a browser. Now you can have a team of people who are looking at the same analytics but that have been visualized to be a little softer on the eye and, uh, and consumable by a larger audience. And you can understand the direction a conversation is going, Uh, understand the actors, both good and bad, that are shaping that conversation. Uh, You can, again, as I said before, understand geography, you know, the the displacement of that conversation, not just geography, but the audiences within it, because sometimes you'll find it's the people you've known about all along that are saying whatever is being said, or many times you want to know that this is, this is new. This is someone we haven't, we haven't heard from before. Uh, 
And, and the same thing goes with traditional media. You're just going to want to know if, if you're in, if you're in the business of publicity, you want to know, um, should I, should I model how we message out whatever's happening with us? So um, we've got, we've got tickets on sale, we're launching a new product, or we've got a recall, or we have some other news to share as a responsibility of our, of our, of our brand. Uh, how do you want to make that go out into the market? Do you want to start with releasing it on the wire for everybody? Do you want to be able to go and hand pick the media that you'd like to to basically plant that with, or or at least give them the opportunity because they've taken care of you in the past? You want to make sure that they get the opportunity to to let everybody know first. There's a number of ways you can slice and dice the insights to be able to give you that kind of direction. And how do you do it? Split Tim Hayden, the Vice President of Marketing for Zignal Labs. Tim, I look forward to meeting you in New York next month at the Sports PR Summit. You can find more information about Zignal Labs at ZignalLabs.com. Tim, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Thank you, Brian. Looking forward to seeing you guys in New York and San Francisco. Absolutely. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR, powered by Postano, after this. Hi, it's Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. Did you know that Super Bowl 50 broke the record for single-day Wi-Fi usage and beat last year's record before halftime? And then nearly 80% of fans use their mobile phones during live sports events? Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. And that is why major venues around the country work with Boingo Wireless to manage their wireless networks. Boingo knows fans, and they know how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. Boingo designs, installs, manages, and monetizes wireless networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Chicago Soldier Field and Phillips Arena, home of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. Boingo is the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless services so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Sports Business Radio has teamed up with Boingo to bring you monthly stadium stories focused on how technology is changing the business of sports. I will speak with Boingo and their partners, including athletic directors, venue owners, leading sports marketers, and industry influencers who will share valuable insights you'll want to tune in for. For more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rick Buecher. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is a senior writer for the Bleacher Report. He's a host on Bleacher Report Radio on Sirius XM. He is an NBA insider and also my partner on the Sports PR Summit. Rick, how are you? Uh, I am good. Lots of turns of events in the NBA. I uh, thought it was not going to be a very exciting postseason. It looked like the way it started. It was not going to be exciting for a while. But now we have all kinds of drama. So I'm full in on full in on what we have in store. So Steph Curry goes down. He's out for at least two weeks. Chris Paul probably done for the season with uh, a fractured hand. It's the Wild West out there. This opens everything up, doesn't it? It really does. And I, I was of the mind, and I don't know how many people shared my thinking, but going into it, I expected that the Warriors were going to be even more dominant in the postseason than they were in the regular season. Then Steph has his ankle issue. That causes them to lose a game against the Rockets, but barely. 
I was still thinking this could be a an epic run, uh, not a whole lot of drama. I know a lot of people think San Antonio and Cleveland could give them a run. I'm just, I'm not of of that mind. So now the the knee issue comes up, and that turns everything on its head. And I'm thinking, okay, there's no guarantee that they're going to get past the Clippers. And then lo and behold. Chris Paul breaks his hand. Blake Griffin has a recurrence of the thigh issue. And now I'm thinking, are they even going to play the Clippers? Uh, But it opens up the door for the Warriors to get through the next round and for Steph Curry to get back. And I'm still of the mind that if Steph Curry comes back and he's anything close to being Steph Curry, that this is still the Warriors' championship to lose. Don't you think San Antonio right now is playing their best ball of the year? I do, and I don't think that it matters when it comes to the Golden State Warriors. I just don't think that they match up well enough. And what I want to see in this next series against the Oklahoma City Thunder is that this is the series that LaMarcus Aldridge proves that he is worthy of wearing that Spurs uniform and can be the leader of that team Uh, equal to Kawhi Leonard. We know what Kawhi Leonard can do. Certainly going to be an interesting matchup between Kawhi and Kevin Durant. But LaMarcus Aldridge has to punish Serge Ibaka. He has to demonstrate that he can win, I'd say, at least two of these playoff games by being dominant. And I've never doubted LaMarcus's ability and talent, but his demeanor and his willingness to utilize that talent to the fullest. I, you know, I look at Portland. I look at what they're doing now. I look at what they did when, when LaMarcus was there and the fact that without a Damian Lillard buzzer beater, he never sees the second round on his own volition. And it raises the question for me, is he truly – I know he went to San Antonio to win a championship – is he? Does he have a champion's mentality? That's what we're going to find out in this next round. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's the biggest series he's ever played. And I remember last year, you know, Kevin Love, before he got hurt, he kind of looked like a deer in headlights in the, in the playoffs. You know, it was the first yeah. time he was on the big stage. And I'm interested to see, too, does LaMarcus look like the deer in headlights next round? Or does he look like that guy who is worth $100 million plus that they signed in the offseason and is, you know, the replacement for Tim Duncan in the future? But, you know, KD and Russ, as you well know, that is a tough matchup for them. And they also play fast, much like Golden State. So it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup there. It is the one question with Oklahoma City, and it's always been the question, and it continues to be the question, and the coaching change did nothing to to solve the question, which is that they still have uh, a high volume of unforced errors. Right. And down the stretch, and I saw the same thing. People are all uh, up, uh, excited about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the way they swept the Detroit Pistons out of the first round. But I watched the way that they closed games, and they're much like Oklahoma City in that it's really take a number. Whose turn is it? Oh, it's Kyrie Irving's turn. Now it's LeBron's turn. Uh, Maybe we'll get Kevin Love a post-up. But generally it goes back and forth between those two as far as who is going to attack and be the primary player. That's just so different from what San Antonio does and Golden State does. It may end up 
with Steph taking the big shot. It may end up with Kawhi Leonard taking the shot. But there is so much movement, both ball and player, that it's not just an isolated one-on-one. And so there is a little more intrigue and there requires a little more flexibility from your defense in order to stop that particular end-of-game play. There's no mystery with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And ultimately, that has been their undoing, and I don't, I don't see a change there. So I agree with you. There's some really difficult matchups there. They've, they've played them well in the regular season, beat them on occasion. I just wonder whether they can have the poise and execution in the final minutes that we know San Antonio has to allow that, uh, that, that superior talent to shine through. Let's assume Cleveland gets through the East. Do they have a chance against anyone in the West? Yeah. Um, Oklahoma City for that same reason, and I don't think it's a good matchup. And I'm there is a part of me that would love to see Oklahoma City and Cleveland in the final, where the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Kevin Durant and those guys sort of having their rematch against LeBron in the finals and LeBron having maybe his best last chance at a championship in Cleveland. The drama of that series, I don't know how good the basketball would be, but the drama and the storylines would be phenomenal. That may, that may trump another Warriors-Cleveland rematch as far as the, the NBA Finals matchup I'd like to see most. Speaking of OKC, I'm sure you, like all of us, saw the post-game press conference with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were asked if Westbrook is a superstar, KD stepped in and you know replied to the comments from Mark Cuban and called him an idiot. And the more and more I see KD and, and Russ together, I just don't see those guys splitting up unless Russ tells KD in the summer, look, I'm out of here in a year. I don't see him leaving Russell Westbrook. They're two of the five best players in the NBA. Do you think KD's going anywhere this summer, or does he stay with Russ? I think there's still that possibility. I've never thought that their relationship, their personal relationship, would be the reason that, that they would part ways and go in different directions. And it's not that they don't want to play together. It's more a matter of, do the pieces fit, and can ultimately these two guys win a championship together? Because I think a lot of the reason that they take turns uh, attacking and is they're trying to make room for each other, but their skill sets don't naturally fit together. You look at you look at the Warriors, and you look at the way whether it's Draymond and Steph or it's Clay and Steph. They're able to impact the game without having the ball in their hands. And, uh, you know, Russ can probably do that more than, than, uh, than KD can. But he's still the best of Russ is when he's got the ball in his hand and he's coming at you 100 miles an hour. You just can't get around that. And so I love the way KD put his hand over the microphone when they were asked right. about Mark Cuban's comments, it was like, I got this. Yeah. And, but that's, that's the friendship. I don't know that necessarily that has to do with the basketball element. And I had a GM, assistant GM, say to me the other day, he said, you know, in their heart of hearts, 
each one of them has to think, you know what, if, if I, I need to be the man, and I could go further if this whole thing was focused around me as opposed to us sharing the limelight. How's that worked out for James Harden? Well, he got James Harden got what he wanted. James Harden wanted to be a star. A star. He wanted to be a superstar. And he's now regarded in that fashion. And he never would have, uh, I don't know that he would have ever experienced that in Oklahoma City. And for those who think that they would have continued to be a title contender with James there, I'm not convinced of that either. I know Bill, our, our friend Bill Simmons has sung that song, I believe, as much to, to shine or gild the reputation of Daryl Morey. But when you look at you look at what James Harden is and what he wanted to be and what the Oklahoma City have, have lacked, it's not scoring. It's not I mean it's it's if anything, you need another playmaker and you need another two way player. James has demonstrated that he's not that. A few minutes left with Rick Buecher. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher, great writer for the Bleacher Report, host on Bleacher Report Radio on Sirius XM. All right, the Lakers fired Byron Scott this week. For many Laker fans, that was a long time in coming. You know, I sat down for an in-depth conversation with Jeannie Buss a few months ago, and Rick, my takeaway was that she knows that her brother is not the right fit leading basketball operations, but it was her father's dying wish to have him lead basketball operations. So it's really hard for her personally to pull the plug on him, but I think business-wise, she knows it's the right thing to do. There's this you know timeline that's out there for everyone that the time to pull the plug is next summer, but I get the sense that it could happen as soon as this summer. And if you're a coach, are you going to sign up for the regime led by Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak when they may not be there beyond this year. How do you see that all playing out? Well, there's certainly just the draw of coaching the Lakers and that organization and that market. And and let's never doubt that that does have a significant amount of pull. Uh, That said, it, it is a tricky timeline. Someone coming in, it would depend on... Who are you having the conversations with and how much authority are you being given and what is the length of your contract? Uh, if you're having conversations with Jeannie Buss and you know that you are her choice, you might be, you might be the two of them, their choice, but you, you need to know that you are going to be her choice as well. And that's the long Um if you are Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss's choice and Jeannie's not feeling you, then I would come into that uh, with, a, with a different sort of the- feeling as far as my ability. Because as you said, whether it's this summer or this summer, I think the anticipation is at some point this regime is going to change. And Mitch Kupchak knows how to build champions. I just believe at this point in his life and his career and some of the personal things that have happened, he is not prepared to put in the grind that is necessary to get the Lakers back to the prominence that they enjoy. And that is why. Otherwise, if it was another time and place, I'd say Mitch Kupchak, Mitch Kupchak uh, should be there, will be there. I, I believe that he and he will, he's not going to, to, to fight it 
that he's ready to move on as well. There's a popular theory out there that Phil Jackson comes back, runs basketball operations, is reunited with Jeannie. She runs business operations, and they bring in Luke Walton, who used to play for the Lakers and is a Phil Jackson protege. Do you give that any uh, credence? Or, you know, I sometimes think, Rick, you know, I look at the the Raiders and how they're stuck back in in the 80s and 70s sometimes. You know, I look at what Neil O'Shea has done here in Portland. He's used analytics. He is in touch with today's player. Like, I almost think the Lakers need to come into the modern era with someone like that versus someone from the old school. Do you agree with that? Well, I think that the biggest issue that they have, a lot of people want to focus on the triangle and and present that as the antiquity of what doesn't work. And I really, at the heart of everything, I don't think, the reason that Phil Jackson may be struggling in New York is because of the triangle system. Some of it is he wants guys who are going to coach that particular system. And even that is okay, but I think that that narrows the scope of who you're looking at as candidates. But I think the greater issue here, and it's one of the reasons that Neil has been successful and other guys, Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, is because they engage people, because they have relationships, because they've been in this for a long time and they built relationships across the board. Bill Jackson has always been, in his way, a lone wolf. He hasn't, he hasn't, he's never liked dealing with agents. He was never really a guy who uh, associated with other head coaches and people around the league. He's really been an isolated guy, and I see him continuing to operate that way. And and you simply can't do that, not in his position and not with the work that he has to get done, not the essentially the favors that he needs, the assistance that he needs from entities that are outside his organization in order to get something done. And to me, that's the most crippling aspect of what Phil Jackson is and why he's, uh, whether it's New York or whether it's L.A., why I see him having a hard time being uh, successful as an architect of an NBA team. All right, last NBA question. So you just described someone who has relationships, someone who can get free agents, someone who's somewhat open-minded. A lot of people have floated the name John Calipari. He seems to come out any time there's a job opening. I've always said it would take a, a Knicks or Lakers type of gig. You know, he's represented by CAA. Like, he would want a seven-year deal. He would want say in basketball decisions. But is it time for the Lakers to look at someone like him and say, look, he's got a ton of players who are playing in the league from over the years. He's got relationships. He could bring in a decent basketball operations staff. Do you ever see that type of a a hire made by the Lakers, or is that too bold for them? Uh, It's not too bold for them. I think it would be too stupid. I I look at John Calipari and and his success at the college level, and it's because he provided a stepping stone to the NBA. Well, now once these guys get to the NBA, I don't know that the way that he operates at the college level would work at the NBA level. Certainly the way that he and, he... and he's toned down his act tremendously. But the way he treats 
players at the college level, you know, they, the, the, the starting five aren't doing well. He yanks all starting all five out and puts, you know, puts in a new five or a guy isn't, isn't doing well and he loses his mind and we got the hysterics on the sideline. I mean, I'm sure he could say, hey, that's me at the college level. I'd be different at the pro level. I, I don't know how much a guy can change. And so I, I appreciate your point about the relationships that he's built but I think they're built because of the place that he resides on the college level. If you put him in the pro game, you're not now. Now, what are you doing for me? I'm already here. I'm already. <laughs> I'm already in the NBA. How are you going to win me a championship? That's what I need to know. And last time I looked, you had the most talented team that some people have ever seen at the college level, and you ultimately didn't get it done. What? Why am I? Why are? Why should I believe that you're going to be able to get it done for me at the NBA level? I'll take the 1990 UNLV team over that team. By the way. All right. So let's <laughs> that's talk. A fair, that's a fair. That's a fair <laughs> And Although I saw. Is, I saw them with my own eyes too. That's 25 years later. Right. Talk about a different, a different era. That's true. But those guys, wow. They, they were a sight to see in, uh, in person. Let's talk about Sports PR Summit coming up on May 17th at the Players' Tribune in New York City. I'm going to be sitting down with Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross for the opening featured conversation. And then you're going to have a great conversation in the afternoon with NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon. I'm excited about the lineup. I'm excited about ble- being at Players' Tribune, uh, another sold-out event. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, this feels like uh, a really big event, and obviously, uh, Brian, a uh, vast majority of the credit goes to you for something that has been built, not only as just a big event, but something that I, I sense from both sides of the aisle, both in media and PR, that people are gravitating, gravitating toward as an important event and an opportunity. And I just look from, from you know, my, my role in it, uh, it, it is a tremendous, tremendous thing to be able to sit down with PR people and compare notes and compare the challenges that uh, that both sides face today in in what is also a different era. It's a different era of sports PR. It's a different era of sports media, and uh, it presents all sorts of new challenges. And when you look at the people that are participating, Players Tribune coming on board. Uh, people like Jeff Gordon, or the commissioners from the various leagues that are uh, involved, the the leading PR people from all of the major leagues that are involved. It 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 tells you you don't even it doesn't tell you it shows you how valuable this event is, and so. For all of those reasons, I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's the three-legged stool, as we've talked about since day one, four years ago. You've got the PR side of things. You've got the media side of things. And then we bring in athletes like Jeff Gordon. I mean, we have not heard an elite athlete's perspective on PR, social media, and you know how it's all changing and evolving. And now he's actually a media person. So Jeff Gordon, your conversation with him is going to be fascinating to me and you know the thing that's cool rick is is we've discussed uh off air many times when we first started this four years ago it was like calling in favors hey can you come to this event you know now yeah. these people want to come to our event they see the value in in being part of the conversation uh ty votov the cmo the number two at the pga tour 
just called last week and said, hey, I'd like to come sit on your uh, leveraging the Olympic Games panel. And Lisa Leslie is going to be with us now. So the caliber of insight is really going up for our attendees. And we limit it to 125 people. So I like that, too. When you walk in the room, you know that it's a manageable number of people. You can make your way around the room and have conversations with people. You're not walking into a room of 1,100 people and going, oh, my gosh, where do I begin? Yep, yep, no, exactly right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's becoming a who's who of those in the industry, and it is, if it's networking, that you're after. You're not, you know, you're not wading through a huge conference room full of people that are, not to slight the, the Sloan Conference, the, the MIT Sloan Conference, but I was there, I participated that at, in that at the beginning, and it really was, it was what this event still is, which is an opportunity to, to hear and exchange ideas uh, about the new frontier, and now it's a job fair. Now it's become something else. And there's a place for that. There's a place for that in the universe. Who knows? Uh, that, that, that may be something that, uh, that is created as a satellite element to the PR Summit, uh, the Sports PR Summit. But, uh, and I think we agree on this, uh, we should never lose the the inclusivity and the exclusivity of the event as it is where people who are in the business who aren't necessarily looking for a job but looking for a way to do their job better have an opportunity to to have conversations and exchange ideas and hear new ones. Well, and for those who have not heard, we've also now added a West Coast event, July 20th. Twitter is going to host us at their headquarters. If you haven't been to Twitter, that is a really cool place. As someone who lives in Portland and a lot of people get excited about going to Nike and Adidas, Twitter headquarters is just as cool. We're going to do a reception the night before at your employer, the Bleacher Report in downtown San Francisco. So, you know, we're really focusing on the social media conversation. So many people in our industry are tasked with coming up with storytelling and content 24-7, 365. So we're going to hear from companies like Twitter, who will talk about Periscope and some of their other technologies, Bleacher Report, and uh, the Players' Tribune at the event in San Francisco. So that'll be fun, too. We're, we're growing the empire, Rick. Yes, we are. And <laughs> I'm just excited to get across the moat uh, at Twitter, because they generally don't allow people uh, yeah. in there, and so it uh, that that's going to be just a fascinating experience. Just the locale itself will make will be interesting. Absolutely, Rick Buecher. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Find him on Bleacher Report, senior writer. Find him on SiriusXM, hosting Bleacher Report Radio in the mornings. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Always a pleasure, Brian. We'll see you in a few weeks. All right, buddy. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Just like fire. Hello, everyone. Mark King here, president of Adidas Group North America. One of the most inspiring parts of my job is the conversations I have every day with extraordinary people who are shaping the sports landscape. I talk to athletes, league executives, athletic directors, and agents, and now I'm bringing these conversations to you through my new podcast series, Extraordinary Happens, Competing in Sports, Business, and Life. 
This series dives deeper into what inspires the people who are leading change in sport, both on and off the field. I want to know what makes them tick and uncover how they're challenging convention to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, their businesses, and themselves. And I want to share those stories and insights with you. Tune into my bi-weekly episodes of Extraordinary Happens on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, get out there, challenge each other, lead change, and make extraordinary happen. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks to Rick Buecher from Bleacher Report. Follow him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. And Tim Hayden with Zignal Labs. Follow them on Twitter at Zignal with a Z Labs. A reminder, tune into Adidas's North America president and Mark King's new sports business podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. His guests so far have included Aaron Rodgers, Von Miller, Don Garber, Sergio Garcia. It's a great listen. So find that on iTunes or SoundCloud. We look forward to our next chat with Mark King coming up here in a few weeks. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Pistano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at pistano.com or on Twitter at Pistano. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Just go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 100 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and Audio Boom. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 50 sports business must-follows on Twitter for 2015 by Forbes.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. You watch me beat it till I can.